what a day it's going to be when that tempter is banished and we lay our burdens down. And my goodness, it'll be a day of rejoicing. And if you're not rejoicing at that day, well, I feel sorry for you because, well, everybody in heaven is going to be rejoicing. <coughs> and there is, there, there is a, a remedy for that. And uh, his name is Jesus. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to continue our, 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 our look at the, we're looking specifically now at the Beatitudes, but at the teachings of Christ. We are told that we are to, to go out and teach others whatsoever things that, that Christ hath commanded us. Well, before we can teach others, we want to make sure, and, and listen, there may be, a lot of this stuff is stuff we've already heard or, or understand, but it's good to be reminded of, to stir up those things so that we don't forget. Uh, because the truth is, um, it's easy for us to forget. Uh, when things get difficult, when trials come, uh, it, it's easy to forget because, well, our hearts are hardened. And, and, and I'm not, we're not saying they're, they're always hardened, but they can get that way. And we need to be very careful. That I, it, it still boggles my mind that the, the, the disciples, we covered this on uh, Wednesday night. If you, you weren't there, you missed, it, you missed out, not on my preaching, but on the word. Uh, but it... it, 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 it completely befuddles me. I'm using big words today. Befuddles me that the disciples saw Jesus break the, the, the loaves and fishes and feed 5,000 people and then had to go and pick up after them and they each had a basket full of stuff that they carried into the boat and it says that, the, uh, that, they, that they feared because their hearts were hardened and they did not consider the miracle of the loaves. Literally, their baskets were at their feet and they still didn't still didn't believe. So I, sometimes we need to be stirred up and reminded. So uh, we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. We covered this the other day, um, or a couple weeks ago. Um, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, those that are poor in spirit, it's talking about those are, that are humble in spirit, um, that, are da- that are down and low. And it, uh, God, the Bible says, resists the proud and gives grace unto the humble. And we looked at what it really truly means to be poor in spirit or humble. And it's the, the idea uh, of, the, uh, of the beggar in the, in the Lazarus in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And not, let me rephrase that, in the account of the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus uh, was this poor man that couldn't take care of himself, the sores in his body, he couldn't feed himself. He, he, uh, the, the only way he got to eat is if uh, from the crumbs from the table of, of the, the rich man. But listen, that's how we are really to consider ourselves. The truth is, when we come to, to God's table, we've got nothing to offer. Uh, we, we are only receiving uh, what God uh, has, has, has blessed us with. And God blesses us with, uh, our salvation has nothing to be trifled with. It's nothing to, to scoff at. Or, uh, what a blessing it is that God loved us so much that in our sinfulness, he, Christ died for us. Uh, but the, uh, blessed are they that are poor in spirit. And we're to humble ourselves when we come unto the Lord. And, and, and when we do that, the next one, the next verse really kind of, begins to grow in our lives. It says in verse 5, sorry, verse 4, blessed are they that mourn. And uh, we all sorrow. Everybody sorrows in this world. Grief is just a part of life. Uh, uh, People are born and people die. We just had a a, a home going, a a celebration of Rose's life a couple of weeks ago. Uh, And we, we, was it two Saturdays ago? Goodness. It's last Saturday, my goodness. With just as days and weeks are flying by, it's crazy. But, But with that, 
just because we're celebrating our life doesn't mean we still, the family and, and friends and, and church family still don't grieve or, or, or miss or mourn her. Uh, we, we're thankful that she's in heaven, and we're, thank, even, we're even more thankful that we're going to get to see her one day. Uh, but but it's, we still miss those we've lost, so we mourn. But that's not what the Bible's talking about when it says, Blessed are they that mourn, because everybody mourns, everybody sorrows. It's talking about those that are mournful over their sin. Godly sorrow, according to, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians, bringeth forth repentance. And what it's talking about is a contrition in our hearts for our sinfulness. And if we are truly poor in spirit and we see ourselves as we are in truth, right? Uh, I, I don't compare myself to, to you or, or to Troy or to Earl or anybody else. When I compare myself to the holiness of God, my goodness, I'm a mess. <laughs> and, and I realize that. What, what, did, what did Isaiah said when he saw God sitting on his throne with the glory of his train filling the temple? He said, woe is me, for I am undone. And he confessed the sin unto the Lord. And, and so that, 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 poor in, that, that humility, that poor in spirit, brings about a, a mourning of our sin. And, and, and man, our contrition, that broken spirit, that broken heart, is, is truly the sacrifice that God wants. And we are blessed uh, if, we, if we mourn in the spirit. So verse, uh, verse 5, it says, Blessed are they that are meek. And we talked about what that was, uh, uh, what that means, not uh, last Sunday, but the Sunday before that. Um, and it means a yieldedness. This, this, this idea of strength under, under control, but not our control. Uh, and that's the difference. It's, it's, it's this idea. Well, I can control my temper sometimes. When somebody cuts me off, uh, in fact, this happened the other day. I, there was somebody, I, I, hey, I, I controlled myself. I wanted to blow my horn. I, I did mutter under my breath. It was loud enough for my wife to hear. <laughs> there was a car driving down Bangor Street in the middle of both lanes, and they wouldn't move over one way or the other. And it was driving me crazy because they were driving really slow. And it ended up it was Brother Troy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was not Brother Troy. But I was muttering. I was like, oh, not that I had anywhere to go to be, uh, that needed to be, but I was able to control. That's not what it's talking about. It's the idea of a wild animal that is tamed. Horses I'm afraid of, but wild horses I'm terrified of. But when they're, when they're broken, and when they're broken in the correct way, when they learn to trust their, their handlers, they yield themselves to, to, to that person who, who they trust. And we are to yield ourselves to God. We're to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And so as we mourn in spirit and we humble ourselves, it brings about a yieldedness in our life and in our heart, and, and we are to be filled with the Spirit. We talked about how to, how to do that last uh, two weeks ago. Today is verse 6. We are looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and it's simply this. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What a, what a, what a, what a thought. We all get hungry. We, we, we all get thirsty. We, it's amazing how Jesus uses phraseology and, and, and words to, to make things easy for us, because he knows that we're, well... We're not all the smartest. Some of us are a little hard-headed. Um, but, uh, but he uses these phrases so that we can understand. He says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. A, a, a hunger is, the, is for something, a thirst for something, is the, to have your, your deepest, you, you want to have your deepest desire met. Uh, if, 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 you, if you haven't eaten in a long time, you want food, Right? Uh, if you haven't drank anything for a long period of time, you can only survive for so long without water. Well, you can only survive for so long without food, but a shorter time for water. What is the, what is the thing that is on your mind? Water. I need water. 
My wife drinks over a gallon of water a day. It drives me crazy. If I drank that much, I'd be, I'd be spending, 30, well, three or four hours in the bathroom just letting it all back out. But, but you know what's funny? The more she drinks, the thirstier she gets. If, if she doesn't have water anywhere near, she's like, I need my water. You just drank a half of a gallon. You see, I drink, I drink less than that, right? In three days, I don't drink that much. I try, I'm, I'm doing better. But uh, uh, the, the more she drinks, the more thirsty she is. But it's, she has a desire for that, for that to be filled. And if we're going to hunger and thirst after righteousness, uh, we have a desire to have that hunger met. We don't want to just be hungry. Does anybody like to sit around while your stomach's going, wah, 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 wah? no. You might do it for a little while, but eventually you're like, what do we got in the fridge? Zeke is... He didn't do this today because, well, he got sick this morning and, and left, left uh, yesterday's lunch all over the, be- the, the couch. But, but uh, normally, typically throughout the day, he's, he's like, can I have a snack? Now, you ate, brec- or you ate breakfast half an hour ago. Can I have a snack? But it's like that all day long. It's like he has this hollow leg that he wants filled. Now, he doesn't want to fill it with lunch. He wants to fill it with all the snacks. But he has a, he has a desire for those things. God through the Holy Spirit, wants to create a hunger in us for something. He wants us to have a desperate need, a desire for something that we cannot live without. There are things that we think that we can't live without. How many of you guys have one of these? And how do you respond when you leave it home? Now, for, for the older generation, for the older generation, and now you're going to date yourself, or well, maybe not, but for the older generation or the younger generation who don't have one yet, not a big deal. Whatever. In fact, back when, back in your days, back in the back in the days where you had to tap out your mess. I'm just kidding, just kidding. Nobody, nobody hears that a little. Uh, uh, back in those days, the only phone you had was on your wall, and you were attached by a cord. You know, and the, if you if if you wanted to get have a, a, a private phone call, you'd have to stretch the cord all the way into one of the bedrooms or a closet or somewhere and shut the door behind you. Right? Now, you can't go anywhere without being in your pocket. If it's not there, you've got a desire for it. That's a hunger. But that is not the kind of desire or hunger God wants us to have. No, there's nothing wrong with the phone. And it's okay to carry one in your pocket. As you see, I do. But that's not supposed to be our greatest desire. Our greatest desire is, it should be uh, that, that which is what God wants us to desire. And, and it says here in this verse, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. What do we think that means? The, uh, the, are we to hunger and thirst for being righteous? The, a, a desire to, to live right according to the laws of God? We're to do that. But is that what it's talking about? Does that satisfy us by doing what's right and, and, and following the law? If I remember, there were some people in the, in the Gospels that did that. They were called the Pharisees, and Jesus didn't have a whole lot of good to say about them. So I don't think it, I don't think it has anything to do with a desire to live right. While we should have a desire to live right, and we should strive to be holy, because God says, be holy, for I am holy. I don't believe that's what this, this verse is referencing. It's not necessarily just something we do. But righteousness in the word of God is wrapped up in a person. It's wrapped up in one person. First Corinthians chapter 1. 
verse 30, says this, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. We talk about the fact that when God looks at us as children of God, we are, we are positionally sanctified. We are righteous before God. But you and I both know that none of us are righteous. Romans tells us there is none righteous, no, not one. You are not righteous because of the life that you have lived. You have not done a good, you have not done a good enough job in the works that you have done up to this point to be considered righteous. In fact, there's nothing that you have done. There was no, there's no decision that you have made. There's no choice that you've made that has made you righteous. You know what has made you righteous? Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says because, because, of, because of what he did for us, uh, he has been made, we have been made righteousness in him. So when God looks at you and he sees, your right, sees righteousness, he does not see Frank's righteousness. He doesn't see Elijah's righteousness or or. or Earls or anybody else, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's imputed upon us. And the word imputed uh, the Bible, uh, in the Bible means that it, it's uh, it been placed upon us. We are to hunger and thirst after righteousness, that is Jesus Christ. He's been made that righteousness for us. Uh, uh, we're sanctified and seen as righteous because of him. And if we're going to hunger and thirst after righteousness, we're going to hunger and thirst after Christ. Paul says, I'm counting not to myself that I've apprehended, reaching forth to the prize, the high calling of what? Jesus Christ. He wanted to know Christ and the, the power of his resurrection, right? And the fellowship of his suffering. People hunger for a lot of things today. Some hunger for power. Some for money. Some for fame. Some for followers on social media. Friends that you've never met or talked to before. People hunger for a lot of things today. But there's only one hunger that will truly satisfy. Remember the verses, blessed are they, uh, happy, right? Uh, not just happy, but joyful uh, are they that, that, that uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You can have all the money in the world, and guess what? You're still going to not be satisfied. You can have all the fame, all the fortune, all of those things that the world has to offer. In fact, it's amazing. You see people that have this, and what do they want more of? What they have. It's never enough. We're going to look at three different ways in which we're to hunger after the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the only way that we'll ever be satisfied. If you have Christ, you can have true satisfaction. Paul, says, Paul said uh, that, that uh, whether, I, whether I abound or whether I'm abased, I've learned therewith to be content. Uh, there, there were times when Paul had more than he needed. And there were times when Paul was sitting in a jail cell where uh, damp and rats running all over the place and with, a, with, a, with, a, uh, with a, the, the, uh, his head literally getting ready to be on the chopping block and he was still content. Why? Was because, because he had Christ. Because he had a home in heaven and, all, and, and, and a future and an inheritance. But because he had Jesus Christ. 
Look over at one chapter in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. So, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The first, the first uh, way which we are to, in which we are to hunger after the Lord Jesus Christ is we are to hunger or desire him preeminently. First, see, there's a there's a list in this chapter of, of things that, that we would consider necessities. How many of you, how many of you consider clothing necessities? I do, and I'm glad you're all wearing some. <laughs> right? But in this in this in this area of the world, it's pretty common to, for people to be wearing clothes. In fact, most areas of the world, almost most, but there are some countries where having clothes on your back isn't really necessarily going to be something that is a guarantee in your life. We would also consider food a necessity. Amen? Or Baptist. Come on, you can do better than that. We all, we all consider food a necessity. But Jesus said in this, in this passage, doesn't God feed the, I'm paraphrasing, doesn't God feed the birds? And not just one bird. All the birds. They don't go hungry. God dresses the lilies of the field, right? In fact, he says that they're, they're, they're dressed better than Solomon was in all of his glory. So why are we worried? He says, actually, here it says, but seek ye first. Before you consider all those, and listen, it's not wrong to want those things. It's not wrong to be hungry for lunch or dinner or breakfast or a snack or ice cream, if that's your thing. It's not wrong to have, to have a hunger for that. It's not wrong to have a desire to have clothes. Even if you got bad taste, it's not wrong. Sorry, Brother Frank. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm, not, no, I'm just giving Brother Frank our time to sit up front. It's not wrong to have that desire. What, that, what does it say? But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Before we have a desire and hunger after those things, the first thing we're to hunger for is Christ. For God's kingdom and for Christ's righteousness. If we do that, man, God promises us that he will fulfill and provide for all of our needs. He's going to be first in our lives. Colossians 1.18 says that, that Jesus is to have preeminence. It means first place. And I don't mean like first place in a race. I mean like at the head of the table. Or better yet, on the throne. Because the truth is, Christ is to be on the throne. Now, we know that one day Jesus is going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem, right? The Bible tells us this. What a, what a day that will be when all the world will, will bow their knee and every tongue shall confess his name that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is going to be a day. Amen. But he can still do that. In fact, he is still supposed to do that. Not in some future sense where he's king and all the world obeys him because Satan is, is, is bound for a thousand years. But in the hearts of every child of God. He's to be number one in your life. You're to hunger after him. Now, I love my wife. 
If you're married, I hope you love your spouse too. It's good to have a desire to be with them, to spend time with them, to get to know them. In fact, the longer you're married, the more you get to know them. Is that not true? Yeah. But what happens if men, one day you go off to work and you meet somebody new? Now, we, we would never do that, right? I hope not. But it happens all the time. Even sometimes in churches. What happens when you start talking to that person and spending time with that person? And they, maybe they meet a need. Uh, your, your, your wife had, a, had a, a couple of bad days and, and they'll listen to you. They compliment you. Your wife doesn't do that anymore. And if she doesn't, get over it. But anyway, <clears throat> what happens? Your heart can begin to drift. Be the same with a way for women. It is. It, 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 the point is, your wife is to be first, and you need to be intentionally seeking that. You know, you're not to stop. You're not supposed to stop dating your wife once you got married. Like I got it now. She, she can't get rid of me. There's holes in your backyard. She can dig. She can't get rid of you. Pursue her. Right? Just like he did. What, what did Jesus say in, in, to, to John in, in, to, as he was writing the book to, to the church of Ephesus, uh, the letter to the book of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus? He said, return unto your first works. Go, he said, yeah, you've left your first love. Go back to the first works. Here's, a, here, here's the thing. We're to, we're to go back and, and, and do those first things in pursuing Christ. Because the more we get to know Christ, the truth is, just like your spouse, hopefully, the more you love them. I, I, when, when I first told Jess that I loved her, I didn't know her that well. In fact, it was really early in the relationship, and it was an accident. She knows this. I was in a phone call saying goodbye, and, and you know, when, the, in the, when you, before you say it, sometimes it runs through your mind, be like, I'm not going to say that yet, or it's too early, or whatever. And that filter was gone, or missing that day, and I went to hang up on the phone, and I said, I love you. And I heard, I'll talk to you later, bye. <laughs> and for four hours, I was like, I am in trouble. It's over. I said it too soon. I scared her off. She just didn't know for sure if I'd said that and didn't want to be the first one to say it. It was a big, it was a big deal. I said I love you. And I did, I guess, in a way but not the way I love her now. Anybody that's been married for more than, anybody that's been married for more than a, a couple of years, you, you, you understand that you, as long as you're continually pursuing her, your spouse and, and getting to know them more, you love them more. There's a reason God says to hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's a reason we're to hunger and thirst after Jesus. Because the more we know him, the more we'll love him. We're to put them first in our life. A lot of people that try to seek righteousness, what they're really seeking is blessedness. They want satisfaction. But we can't just find satisfaction. We don't get it that way. But they want to be happy. They want peace. 
They, 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 they want help. But what does Jesus say? Or what, is, what, is Jesus, what did Jesus say? We're to seek after righteousness. We're to seek after him. When we receive, that, when we follow after him, when we pursue him, when we hunger and thirst after him, when he becomes the, the greatest desire in our life, when he is in that first place, guess what's going to happen in your life? There will be joy. Because the one thing that you cannot lose in your life, one thing that cannot be taken away from you, is your relationship with Christ. Now you can give up your fellowship with him but through sin. But you don't lose that relationship. They can, take, they can take your life. They can take your house. They can take your car. They can take everything that you have. They can take your spouse. But they can't take away the promises of Christ. Listen, I, not that I want to give up or lose any of those things in my life. I like my life. I like my family. I like my wife. I like my home and my car. Those are all good things. And, and those things are all good but if I lose all of those things, I can still have joy. True joy. Because remember, true joy comes not, not in the things that we have or the circumstances that we're, that we're living in, but in our relationship with God. And I can still have that in Christ. That blessedness is a, is a byproduct. It's a byproduct of our satisfaction that comes as we, as we seek after and, 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 and search after Christ. And listen, if we're searching after Christ, we would, you know how, why we're filled? <laughs> because he never withholds himself from us. You know, there, there are some times when, have you ever had, met a person that you, know, you didn't really want? We love everybody, but sometimes we, have, we don't necessarily like everybody. We're to love our friends, our neighbors, our enemies, our spouses. There's, there's, there's nobody we're not supposed to love. But sometimes it's hard to like somebody. And ever have one of those people around, and you're like, "Yeah, you can come over, sure. <laughs> Welcome to the house." And uh, nobody's like that, right? <laughs> Jesus isn't. Jesus isn't. He says, "Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I'll give you rest." His desire is to have that that that, that personal fellowship with us. Because he loves us. Our problem in seeking righteousness is our unrighteousness. <laughs> Romans 3.10 There is no, there's none righteous, no, not one. And out of our unrighteousness comes all the problems that we have in, in trying to, to deal with, in our, with our life, the, those things that interfere with, with, our, with our walk with Christ. Those things that, that, that cloud it. Because we fill ourselves, we try to fill ourselves with other things. You ever, has your wife ever made you dinner, but you got something on the way home? At least one person's honest. <laughs> or, or maybe when you were kids, Right? And, and it was dinner time, but you had a stash of candy, my kids. And, and, and you get to the table, and you're not really hungry for it. Why? Because you've already filled up on something else. And we do the same thing as Christians, right? We, we, we're, we're to hunger and thirst after righteousness, and we do. We love God. We love Christ. But we'll fill ourselves up with other things so that we're not hungry anymore. 
It, it distracts us. And listen, not that, not that all those things are bad, but again, Christ is to be preeminent. Christ is to be first. In this earthly realm of ours, food and, and water are necessities, right? You've got to have it to survive. They're, they're not luxuries, right? We all like luxuries, but they're not, those luxuries are not necessities. In the spiritual realm, there are a lot of things that are luxuries, but only Christ is the necessity. All we need is Jesus Christ. Take over to uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Colossians 2, 9 tells, In him dwelleth all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When we get Christ, we get everything that we need. Now, uh, we, in Christ, we receive everything. There isn't something missing. There isn't something that's lacking. There isn't something that, 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 uh, that, that we absolutely need other than that relationship that we have through Jesus Christ. Revelation tells us that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the, the first and last letter of the alphabet. Now, it's not saying that he's the alphabet. It's the picture, the idea that he is the first, the last, and everything in between. We need Christ. Secondly, only should we seek Jesus preeminently. We need to seek him passionately. We need to seek him passionately. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, again, says, says, says uh, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus isn't simply referring to somebody who has an appetite. Again, we, we have an appetite. If, you, if it's lunchtime, you get hungry. But it's this idea of somebody who is, is broken, starving, that doesn't have what they need. Someone who's hungry has a very narrow focus, right? If you haven't eaten, years ago, goodness, a long time ago, we went to uh, my grandmother's house out in Kansas, and <laughs> my mom's laughing now. Uh, the, she, and uh, she needed some work done on the house. We spent the first day that we were there cleaning and emptying the things, and <clears throat> there was nothing to eat. There were no restaurants in town. I don't think there was even any stores in town that were open past noon. It was ridiculous. It's just a tiny little town with one stoplight in the middle of dirt roads everywhere. I ate nothing for 28 or 30 hours. You know what was, I, I was a teenage boy. <laughs> you know what was on my mind? Food. I mean, there was a lot of things going on, but no matter what I was doing, food was on my mind. The truth is, if we're truly hunger, hungering, as, as Christ is talking about here, if we're hungering after something, Christ is what is, will be on our mind. It'll be a narrow focus. We're not going to be looking at other things. We won't be distracted. We'll be hungry. Uh, when we come to church, sometimes, a lot of times, honestly, we're so distracted. 
We're distracted by the things that are going on around us. We're distracted by the things that we have going on at home. Is, 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 uh, uh, did I leave the, the, the iron on or is uh, the, the, the crock pot going to catch on fire? Who knows what? But our minds can go a million different ways. We could be thinking about the patriots. Brother James didn't even look up. <laughs> now he did. <laughs> he says, I don't care about the patriots anymore. That's not true. He's laughing. We, our mind can go a million different directions. When we come to church, is that what's supposed to happen? No, we're, we're human. I, I, I understand that. But if we're really hungry, when we come to church, if our desire is to, to meet with Christ, that's what's going to be on our heart. And that's what's going to be on our minds. It's a narrow focus. A hungry person, somebody who's truly hungry, is determined. They are determined. They're looking for food. Ever go to the fridge and just open the door and stare? If you're really hungry, you wouldn't just stare. That's when you kind of got the, 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 the munchies or whatever. You're like, ah, I feel like something. No, that's not, that's not what, what we're supposed to do. When you're really hungry, you'll, you'll, you'll make yourself something. You'll, you'll, you'll do whatever you need. You, you, it, it'll be a, a, a determined quest to find food. If you have to run to McDonald's, which I hope you don't because that's terrible for you. If, you. if you have to go to the grocery store, if you haven't eaten and you're really hungry, you will find it. If we're searching for Christ, we will be determined. If you're hungry after Christ, uh, you will spend time in the Word. You will spend time in prayer. It won't be something that you do every once in a while. It will be the thing that you do first of all, because again, we're, we're, to, we're to hunger after Him preeminently, but we're also to, to come after Him determinedly. I want to know you, Lord. You'll also be desperate. Some of the truly hungry will eat just about anything. Ever notice uh, when, when, when you're really hungry that, that uh, food just tastes better? Why? How do you think people that are living out in the streets can pull food out of trash cans and dumpsters? Remember back to the, uh, the, 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 the parable of the, of the uh, prodigal son. He was literally thinking about eating out of the trough with the pigs. You think, I would never do that. You would if you're hungry enough. If you're hungry enough, you do just about anything to, to eat, to survive, right? You might eat bugs, roaches. My kids, my kids watch this. Uh, the guy's a Christian. Uh, it's a, it's a, he has a YouTube channel, um, and uh, he does a bunch of things with his kids outdoors, and and he makes his boy eat all kinds of disgusting things. But he eats them right along with him. I look at that and think, there's no way. But the truth is, if I had nothing else to eat, I probably would. Why? Because I'd be desperate. David said, as a heart panteth after water, so does my soul long after thee. That, that heart that's panting, it's a... It's a it's thirsty, it's desiring, it's longing after Christ. Are you desperate? Are you desperate to, 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 to 
have Christ, to know Christ better? To, uh, if you're saved, you have him and you, can't, you don't lose him. But are you desperate to know him better, to know more about him, to have a closer relationship with him, to lean on him more? Do you really see him as your greatest need? Do you seek him like you would food if you're starving? Sometimes people aren't hungry. There have been times, I, uh, I was sick here not too long ago, and I did not eat for 48 hours, and I lost six pounds. That is not the way to lose weight. But it worked. <laughs> it was not my intention. It just happened. I wasn't hungry. Zeke this morning. Every morning, Zeke gets up, and he wants pancakes. Literally, every morning. This morning, he, I made him his pancakes, and he... He, he wants them cut up in strips. They've got to be cut the same way every time. And he likes to dip them in syrup. And he dipped it in syrup. And he looked at it. And he licked it. And he put it down and walked away. I thought, well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> now we know why. <laughs> what happened? He was sick. There was something internally wrong. Listen, if, if you don't want... If you're not hungry after Christ, there's something wrong in your Christian life. Because God has placed in you the Holy Spirit and is, and is giving you a hunger, or should be giving you a hunger for knowing Christ. So maybe you're sick. Maybe you're full of something else, like I already mentioned. We need to be very careful. We be very careful that we're hungering after Christ. Third, third and last point. We're to enjoy Christ perpetually. Perpetually. Matthew 5, 6, again, says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. How many of you ate breakfast today? Lunch? So you don't need dinner then, right? Or anything tomorrow. Or the next day. Oh, you will. So the food you ate this morning didn't, or this afternoon, didn't fill you up. Oh, they did. Well, I hope they did. So when we eat food, we, 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 get, uh, we, we, we get hungry again. It's just this cycle that goes on. It's a problem. It wouldn't be nice if we just didn't get hungry anymore. Except for that doesn't happen. Thirsty. You can drink water and quench your thirst. Guess what? You're going to get thirsty again. So, but, but it says that I'll be filled if I, if, I, if I hunger and thirst after righteousness. Yes, you will. Because if you find your satisfaction in Christ and you, you seek after him, you will be filled. But you're to enjoy it perpetually. You, you get to experience the benefits uh, in, in, that we have in Christ on a daily basis. You don't just get saved and, well, I'm good for the rest of my life until heaven. Then I'll, then I'll want to know Christ. That's not how that works. Now, sometimes people have this idea that righteousness is a negative thing, that, it's, that uh, it kind of takes the fun out of life. 
I'll be honest, I don't agree. I've seen more Christians having more fun, doing good, godly things, more, more, more Christians having fun in church than, well, any more, than, more, than the fun that I had when I wasn't in church. To be righteous, to be seeking after righteousness, is to be blessed. In fact, uh, happiness and holiness are, are linked together. Remember, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We're, uh, we're blessed because we're seeking after the kingdom of God. It doesn't say that those things are taken away from us. It says those things will be provided for us because we have a good God. We're to enjoy the things God gives us. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with enjoying the blessings of God. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to have everything that you want. We, let's make this clear. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not preaching a, a uh, prosperity gospel where if you send me your money and I'll give, send you a clip of a tie that I prayed over, that's not what I do or what any Christian does. And it doesn't guarantee you money in the bank or a car that never runs. Or, well, maybe one that never runs, but not one that always runs, Right? But it doesn't mean that we're, we can't enjoy the things that we do have. Because God does love us, and God does provide for us. So we're to enjoy the things that God gives us. But that's because we enjoy them in the right order. As long as we enjoy, remember, if we, if we enjoy Christ first, if we seek after Christ first, those other things are added to us, and they are a blessing unto us. But it's not to be the priority. God allows us to have a, a physical hunger so that we can be satisfied. Spiritually, we have a hunger for the same thing, and we can't have true satisfaction. Matthew chapter 5, 6 tells us, and we don't, you don't have to read it again, but it's hunger, we're hunger and thirst after righteousness. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Psalms 107, verse 9 says, He, God, satisfieth the hungry soul. 1 Peter 2, 3 uh, tells us that, we're, that, that he that has tasted of the Lord, that the Lord is gracious. And Psalms 34, 8 tells us, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, when we, when we uh, seek and hunger after God, in Christ, and right, his righteousness, God blesses us and fills us. And we will find that he is good. We will find that he is gracious and merciful and, and blesses us in our lives. And when we find that, we're satisfied. That when we see the, the, and receive that the, the, the blessedness in our lives, we are satisfied. Have you ever bitten into something that was just took you by surprise. It was better than you ever thought was possible. I ate a piece of salted caramel cheesecake from a restaurant once. Amanda says, it was before you made it. It was the first time I'd ever had it. Now, I, I like cheesecake, though I, I don't eat it anymore, but at least for now. But uh, I, I, I'd never had that kind of cheesecake. And I ordered it. Just and I had gone out on a date and a wonderful, it was a wonderful date, had a great time. But my goodness, they, they came out and I was like, well, that looks pretty good. And then I bit into it. Oh! 
Heavens opened up. The angels began to sing. I, I, I lifted off the chair. My, I, my wife got ten times prettier. I, it, it was amazing. Now, I can describe just how good it was to you, but I don't want to be mean. But no matter how much I described it to you and how well I described it, just how the, salt, the, the saltiness and the sweetness, how they, they worked together and just created this harmony of, of beauty in my mouth. You never really understand it until you tasted it for yourself. But once you get a taste of something like that, you want it again. Now, you can't eat salted caramel cheesecake every day. I'm sorry, Amanda. Though you can make me one once in a while. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But it does give you a desire for it. When you truly taste the blessedness and the satisfaction there is in Jesus Christ, that's where the hunger comes from. See, until you're saved, until you receive that 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 gracious salvation given unto us. You can hear about Christ. You can, you can read about him. You can watch movies about him. They've got a, they've got a whole new series out there uh, called The Chosen. You can watch about him. They're all great. Until you really experience Christ in your life. It's not the same. But when you do, can't stop. Or you shouldn't. There should be a desire that you go after time and time and time again. Every day should be another day that you hunger after Jesus Christ. Why? Because it was so good yesterday. I, I still haven't had that, that cheesecake again, and I'm still talking about it. One day I want to forget my old age and dementia. What I do hope is that I never forget about how, just how good Christ is and what a blessed, blessed thing it is to find my satisfaction in him. Let's pray. Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, Lord, for us here this, this afternoon, the word that, that's been given to us. Lord, you, are, you have been so good to us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we pray that you help us to hunger and thirst after him to continue to seek and pursue him, Lord, to, 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 to find our satisfaction in him and him alone. Lord, help, him, help us to, to make him the, the very first priority in our life. Lord, may you be honored and glorified in those choices, Lord, as we pursue him. We thank you, Father. We ask for your, for your, for your, your work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well.